This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Man, it's so good to see so many of you packed out today. I love it. I love it. Look around. Look at these beautiful people you get to share the morning with. It's very exciting. One of you was so kind that you found out that my favorite chocolate candy is 100 grand's. And you put one, two, three, four, five, six hundred grands on stage for me, which is very exciting because you know that I preach for so long that sometimes I get hungry and I need to stop, but I don't have to today because you've brought more candy. So thank you for that. I'll just go right into second service and you can thank whoever that was for that. Man, there is so much to talk about this morning. Quite honestly, it seems like every week God is doing new thing after new thing after new thing, giving us opportunities for giant leaps forward. And there's so much I wish I could share with you. I wish you could be a mouse in my pocket just hearing some of the stories and the experiences that people are having. So I'm going to do my best before we jump into uh, the next portion of our, our time together through our message. I'm going to do my best to try to give us a recap of what's been going on and what is happening right now in our community. So many of you know, in fact, probably all of us know that New Life was able to serve as an evacuation center during the fires, which has, uh, I believe, been a huge gift to our larger Sonoma County community. It has been a huge gift to us to be able to love and serve and care for people, not just in the immediate wake of the fires, but in the aftermath as well. So we've become a distribution center. We have served hundreds of people with uh, non-perishable foods and toiletries and toys for kids and supplies. We've had hundreds of people in the last two and a half weeks come through and receive uh, free things from us to start rebuilding their lives. And now we've got a whole room full of clothes. So if you walk into the lobby, there are double doors there. They're locked because quite honestly, if you walked in there and pushed, there is a mountain of boxes of clothes that would fall over on you. And we're realizing that now as people are getting into some mid-range housing, clothing is one of the questions that they have. Where are we going to get clothes? Do we need to buy whole new wardrobes? And so next Saturday, one week from yesterday, we're going to pull all these chairs out. We're going to make this room and our lobby a huge kind of reverse clothing garage sale where we're giving all these clothes away. We're going to lay them out and we're going to be a resource center. We're talking to churches in Santa Rosa and organizations in Santa Rosa to help get people down here to be served and Uh, I would love your partnership in that. So when you walked in, you received this program, and we're going to go ahead and uh, and use this card right now, because it's going to take an army of volunteers ready to serve and love people this coming weekend to be able to make this happen. And so if you would join me for a slot somewhere, either Friday the 10th or Saturday the 11th, on Friday we'll be getting clothes ready, laying things out, preparing for our guests who will come. On Saturday we will be having this huge kind of clothing extravaganza. So uh, we could use partnership. If you just mark that down on your card, we'll know to expect you. We'll know how to prepare accordingly. So, uh, and this is an all call. This is for anybody. This could be your first week at church and you're thinking, boy, I, I kind of like this. And if you don't like it, I mean, if, if you haven't, if you're not sold yet, uh, I'll try to help you fall in love with this place in the next half hour. Um, but you might think, I'd like to meet some more people. Well, this would be a great way. Come and serve. Connect with a few people. Have a good time. Uh, those of us who have been around know the joy of strategic service influence. And this is strategic service influence, serving our community, influencing our community. So love to have you sign up for that. While you've got this card out, it does us no good unless your name is on the front. So if you'd put your name on that card... Uh, and if you're new with us, maybe your contact information so we can connect with you uh, for these types of things that come up. And in a minute, we're actually going to pass some baskets. I'm, 
I'm doing things a little bit different. I'm mixing things up today because I like to mix things up. So we're going to pass some baskets in a minute, and I'd invite you to drop this card in the basket when it's passed. But before you do, if there's something that we could be praying for you about, it is our honor and privilege to pray for you. So if you'd put a prayer request down there or an answered prayer, we like to celebrate when God answers prayers. Would you mark that down so we can pray for you and connect with you? Go ahead and get this card filled out. Something else that's coming up that I love is our annual two-ton turkey challenge, where this coming Sunday, one week from today, we'll be gathering frozen turkeys, and we will be partnering with the Redwood Gospel Mission in their great Thanksgiving banquet. This is our way, another way that we just serve our community. So I'd invite you, grab a turkey or two or 12 and bring them to our lobby next week. We'll have a whole area set up. We, we actually use uh, these horse troughs that are also our baptistries, uh, but we clean them in between. So don't worry. Uh, and uh, we'll be using those probably out in the lobby. So I'd love to have you bring uh, a turkey next week. Uh, and nope, I'm going to go ahead and scratch the lame husband joke right there. So where did that come from? Where did that come from? What else can I share with you? Hey, last week was a major milestone for our church. We've been on this journey called Engage, where we've been asking our community to pray each day at 112 for the 112,000 people in our immediate reach community, to know our go, to, to explore our area of strategic service influence, and then to live our give, to give generously to the things closest to God's heart so that we can, we can engage with our larger community and make our next 20 years our best 20 years, our most impactful 20 years as a community. And we had a commitment Sunday where we made our generosity commitments for the next two years, what we'd be giving over the next two years. And what our dream was, was that we would give somewhere above and beyond our regular offering, somewhere between $1.5 and $2 million over the next two years, above our regular offering. And I'm excited to share with you. I'm not going to give you the number yet because people are still turning in their commitments, but I'd like to share with you that we have already passed our first marker. We've already well passed $1.5 million. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And without, without knowing exactly what the rest of this will look like, I have a, a good feeling that we are actually going to hit that $2 million mark, which just means that we can be dreaming about the things that God wants to do in us and through us over the next 20 years as we increase our generosity. So uh, in every other seat, there are envelopes. If you missed last Sunday and you want to make your Engage commitment, you can use the envelope right there. It's a little privacy envelope. There's a little thing to fill out. If you're brand new, you have no idea what this is, don't worry about that. This is for those of us who call New Life home. We've been praying and engaging with God around this. And so uh, there are a few hundred of us who haven't had a chance to make our commitments yet. So these envelopes will be in the backs of your seats for the next probably three weeks to give you the chance to do that. You can go ahead and fill that out and drop it. There's a metal box in the back there. You could drop it in. Uh, Yes, go ahead, Ron, and point right there, right there. Thank you, Ron. Uh, Or you can put it in the offering if you've got that filled out right now. See, there's a lot going on. I've got one more thing I want to share. And in order to share it, I need to bring a good friend of mine up on stage. So many of you know this woman. She's our life groups pastor. She's been on staff with us in the life groups role for two and a half years. Her name is Elise, and she's absolutely incredible. So would you join me in welcoming Elise onto the stage? Keep going. She's not on stage yet. It's just nice when they cheer, it's you know? It, it feels good. Yeah, yeah. Like whenever my wife comes on stage, everyone cheers. When I walk on stage, you guys are like, hey, good to see you. 
I dare you to engage me. So, uh, you guys, if you haven't met Elise yet, this is Elise. She's a good friend of mine. Uh, she's been our life groups pastor, like I say, for two and a half years. Under her leadership, uh, we've had more life groups than any three-year period in the history of our church. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Under her leadership, we've had more people engaged in life groups than any three-year period in the history of our church, which is pretty amazing. And under her leadership, she has formed what we've called our Life Groups Mentors Team, which is a group of leaders who lead leaders. And this group is absolutely on point. They are an amazing group of people. I've been able to partner with them throughout the years a little bit. And that's all around Elisa's leadership. She's an amazing leader, a great friend. Uh, and I want to share with you some, some news that's been going on in her life and our life. So uh, back in August, Elise had a seizure. And she's been having seizures um, for the last couple of months and was diagnosed with epilepsy uh, not that long ago. And so we gave Elise, we partnered together, and she took, uh, it was about, when all said and done, about an eight week, it was six weeks initially, about an eight week medical leave of absence where we were, because of our generosity, your generosity, able to pay her and partner with her in a medical leave of absence while she figured out the next steps. Well, um, it's become clear to her over the last eight weeks, that coming back on staff isn't going to be the right next step for her because of this epilepsy and what that's been doing with her life and her new norm and what she's trying to figure out. And so she shared that with our pastoral team about a week and a half ago, and uh, it, was, uh, it was tearful. It was emotional. Elise and her family have been part of our church for how many years? Ten, ten. ten years, part of our church community. They're going to be part of our church community, but just not in this current role. And so uh, I didn't want Elise just to transition out of this role. I wanted some time together to celebrate her, to pray for her as a church community, uh, that what is currently her, her new norm uh, would not be her forever norm, that God would continue to heal and God would use the doctors to help uh, even things out in your journey. So uh, I do want you to know there's been a lot of staff transition in the last couple months. And uh, and we're going to be okay. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't like change. I get it. I get it. Okay. Um, we're going to be okay. Elise has set up a great mentors team. I'm going to be working with these uh, this men and women regularly in this interim season as we figure out our next hire. And we're going to be going into a hiring season in 2018 uh, and filling some of these staff positions. But uh, oh, buddy, I love you. Why don't you stay standing? Why don't you stay standing? And let's pray for Elise together. Jesus, thank you for our friend Elise. Thank you for her, her, her vision, her courage, her leadership, her partnership. Thank you, God, for the work that you do in her life and how that flows through her with love and creativity and beauty and courage. And uh, thank you for the ways that she has marked our church community the ways that she has developed these life group mentors and this leadership and this ministry. And thank you, Lord, that our lives are impacted because she's heard from you and she has followed you so faithfully. Thank you, Jesus, that we know that she has heard from you in this decision too and follows you faithfully in this. And we ask as a community seeking after you on behalf of 
Elise, who we love so deeply. We ask Jesus that her current norm in battling this epilepsy and figuring out what it looks like to function this way would not be her forever norm. Uh, that you would heal her miraculously, that you would use doctors to give clarity and insight about what next steps are uh, in all these various aspects. We know that the brain is this incredibly complex part of who we are. Jesus, you created the brain. And even though doctors don't know exactly what might be causing this, you do. So would you pinpoint that? Would you bring healing there? Would you give doctors insight and clarity if you would use them in this journey as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Love you. Yeah. Please. She said, I can't eat that. And threw it back. And I, all right, more for me. Here, Carl, that's for you. There you go. Yeah. Uh, all right, where do we go from there? Well, this seems like an appropriate time to receive the offering. So... Uh, I don't really know where to go from there, but we are going to receive the offering right now. So this is for those of us who call New Life home. It's our way to give back to God a portion of what he's given to us. Uh, For those of you who have made your engaged two-year commitments, you'll be getting a letter from me this week highlighting uh, what those next steps are for you. So be looking for that for me, for all of us. So this is an opportunity to give. And you can give online. You can text to give. You can use the envelope right there inside your program. So uh, go ahead and get the offering ready. I'm going to pass some baskets. Hey, B, this is for you, just because I love you, and you always sit up front. Uh, There you go. Look out! That's for you. All right. Uh, I'm going to pray. We're going to pass the baskets, uh, and I'm going to have you watch the screens while the baskets are being passed as we get ready to jump into our brand new series. Jesus, thank you that we have the opportunity uh, to give generously back to you recognizing and realizing that everything we have, including breath and life and relationship and creativity and joy, it comes from you. And even these resources that we give back to you, we're simply returning to you. Would you use them, Jesus, to uh, change and transform lives in this community, at New Life, in these cities that we love deeply and around the world? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. While those baskets are being passed, take a look at the screens. So we launch a brand new series today called Follow. Because for many of us, if you were raised in the church, Christianity was a giant game of Jesus says. You know, it's kind of like Simon says, but with God. So it was like Jesus says, do this. Jesus says, don't do that. Jesus says, say this, but don't say that. Jesus says, look over here. Don't look over there. 
And the problem with Jesus says Christianity is that it was a lose-lose game. No one ever won trying to play Jesus says, trying to follow Jesus' rules or God's laws. No one wins. If if we did good at it, if we were one of the last ones standing in the cosmic game of Jesus says, then what it produced in us was pride and looking down on other people. Why aren't they as good as I am? Why are they already sitting down, but I'm still standing up? And when we failed at the game of Jesus says, when we could not do what God said to do, we just felt bad about ourselves because now we were the ones sitting down while other people were standing up. But if you could unlearn everything that you've learned about Christianity, you would find that life with God is fiercely relational. That if our version of God engagement is anything more than fiercely relational or anything less than deeply relational, then it is more or less than what Jesus has invited us into. So what we're going to do in this series for the next seven weeks is we're going to start over. We're going to reboot. We're going to hard start. We're going to look at the biographies of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, written by people who were either with Jesus or people who interviewed people who were with Jesus to discover that life with God has always been relationship. And then we're going to look at the implications of what it means to walk in relationship with Jesus. Because I'm telling you, if our mindset still defaults back to Jesus says this, Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, go here, don't go there, look at that, don't look at that. We will miss out on this life that God invites us to live. And we're going to look at something that Jesus said over and over and over again. And he said it to old people. He said it to extremely young people. He said it to women. He said it to men. He said it to people who we think, of course, he would say it to them. They feel like they fit right into the mold. But then he also said it to people who we think look nothing like someone that Jesus would talk to. And the phrase that Jesus used over and over again was not Jesus says. It was, follow me. Follow me. And we're going to look for the, really up through Christmas, at the implications of the invitation to follow what it meant for people to actually walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus and know Jesus because the invitation to them is the invitation to us. And the things that they experienced are the things that we can experience. And whenever we launch a new series, we just kind of lay out the framework on week one. We like to slow cook a series. I tell people we like to crock pot it. So we get all the ingredients thrown in. We put down the foundation so that as we open the door at church every week, it's like... Oh, yeah, that smells good. It's all coming together. We threw in the onions. We threw in the meat. Oh, that's good. If you're a vegetarian, we threw in the onions and the leeks and dripped a little oil in there, whatever we got to do. So what I want to do today is I want to... uh, (laughs) What I want to do today is look at this guy who took the invitation to follow 
and followed Jesus. And he ended up writing a biography about Jesus. After Jesus lived and died and rose again, this guy saw him and was with him. And and he wrote down this encounter. And he starts by telling the story about himself when he first met Jesus. And the things that he experienced when he first met Jesus give us the framework for the invitation to follow. It starts out like this. The book is Matthew in your Bible. Chapter 9, beginning in verse 9, and Jesus went from there, the place that he was in Matthew chapter 8. He went from there, and he saw a man named Matthew who was sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed. Now, we read that, and we think, okay, so he worked for the IRS. Not a great job, but not horrible But everyone in the first century who read that story, who heard that invitation, would have gasped an audible gasp. How could—thank you—how could Jesus invite a tax collector to follow him? The reason why they would have freaked out is because the best I can give in terms of an equivalent to a tax collector in Jesus' day would be like that guy who stands behind the gas station selling drugs to kids when they're trying to buy candy after school. This is a tax collector. He's the kind of guy who you see in the corner and you're like, ah, he's bad. Stay away. Here's the thing with tax collectors. Jewish people hated, hated tax collectors. And here's why. Rome was the ruling superpower in Jesus' day. They had conquered the Jewish people. Jesus was a Jewish man. They'd conquered the Jewish people. They were ruling the people. And what Rome did was they sold off the right to be tax collectors to other Jewish people. So you would, you'd bid for it. If you got the bid, you'd get the right to be a tax collector. And there were all kinds of taxes under Roman law. There were poll taxes and there were, uh, there were income taxes, wine taxes, bridge taxes. There were taxes for everything. So they would auction off the right to be a tax collector. And then they would give the right of the tax collector. They'd say, and you can raise taxes however high you want. Rome needs this level of taxes. So you need to get us that but you can increase it as much as you want and we'll back you. And then you get everything off the top. And who could you go to if you were a Jewish person and didn't like what the tax collector was doing? No one. You had no say. You had to do what the tax collector said. So these were Jewish people who were robbing their own people as they were under Roman rule, Roman leadership. And Jesus walks right up to Matthew, and he could have said a lot of things. Knowing what you just heard about tax collectors, think about what you would say to Matthew. We'd probably say something like, how could you? Shame on you. What's wrong with you? And Jesus walks right up to him, and he says, follow me. And this is where everyone freaks out. I can see it in your eyes. Because the invitation to follow wasn't like, let's just walk down the street together. The invitation to follow was fiercely relational. The invitation to follow was, you're, you're part of my posse now. You're one of my homies now. You're my inner circle now. You are the people who I identify with now. And Jesus didn't say to Matthew, if you're willing to stop blank, then you can follow me. And Jesus didn't say to Matthew, if you're willing to start blank, then you can follow me. He simply said, follow me. Now, some of you are arguing with me in your head right now, and you're saying, 
to yourself, yeah, but when we follow Jesus, isn't there like we have to do certain things and we'll get there. So just relax. But let's start where Jesus starts and let's sit in the tension that he calls this man who if we lived in Jesus' day, if we were Jewish people, every one of us would look down on. And he simply says, follow me. Matthew picks up the scene at a dinner party later that night. He says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, remember Matthew's talking about himself here, while he was having dinner at Matthew's house, many other tax collectors and sinners came together and they ate. And Jesus' day, having dinner with someone was like identifying with them. It was like saying, I'm for you. I'm with you. I want the world to know that you and I are together. Dinner was a huge deal. And Jesus goes to Matthew's house with the world watching him. And he sits down to eat. He identifies with him. It reminds me of a time about five years ago when I was driving to work. It was seven in the morning and uh, I pull around a corner and I see a car with a flat tire parked at the side of the road. And there's a woman sitting with her head down. And as I'm driving by, I just sense the Holy Spirit nudge me and say, go ask that woman if she needs help. And so I pulled in front of her and I backed up. I got out of my car. I came over and she was a a young, maybe late teenager, early 20 somethings. And it was 7 a.m. She's crying. She's dressed in very, like very little clothes, pajamas, but very few of them. don't need to picture it, just, you know. Um, and I knock on the window. I didn't have my beard, so I wasn't quite so scary and tough as I am now. Um, there's, there's really no need to laugh at that. Um, and I said, hey, are you okay? And through, through mixed tears, she said, no, I'm not okay. My boyfriend and I just had a huge fight. I was sleeping at his place, and we got in a big fight. I threw all my clothes in the back of my car, and then I just ran into the curb, and I've got a flat tire. I said, well, do you know how to change a tire? She said, no, I did, actually, uh, which I only learned about six months before that, but I did. And so I said, well, would you like me to change your tire for you? She said, sure. I think there is a jack in the back seat of my car. So she gets out wearing very little, and she's doing her thing, digging through under clothes and everything else. And she, she grabs something. She says, here, hold this. And she hands me a three-foot-tall bong. Um, so here I am, 7.30 in the morning, standing with a woman, a young woman who's dressed in very few clothes, holding a bong on a busy street as people drive by. And I think to myself, well, this is probably what it looked like to the rest of the world for Jesus to have dinner with Matthew. Because what are people driving by thinking? Oh, look, at that! those two people are together and they're, you know, taking a quick hit off the bong just to get themselves eased up before they head to the office. And <laughs> And Jesus sits down with Matthew, and we're told with other sinners. It's a whole room full of people that everyone else would have said, don't, don't sit with them, don't hang with them, don't be with them. And Jesus goes and he identifies with them. And he goes to their house, and I love it. He, he doesn't go to their house to preach a sermon. He goes to their house to have a party. He just goes to have a party. 
just goes to hang out, have dinner, get to know each other, to tell Matthew and his friends and everyone who's watching to say, I am with you and I am for you and I want to engage with you. I want to identify myself with you. And this is a big deal because this is Jesus. This is God in a bod. This is like, he always thought the right things. He always said the right things. He always did the right things. Yeah, I said that, Lindsay. Yeah. Uh, he was perfect. And he's with a group of people who everyone thought was the epitome of bad. But here's the crazy thing. People who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. Because Jesus went to people who were nothing like him. Without judgment or condemnation, he identified with them. He said, I see you and I know you and I want to have a relationship with you. Now, if you're here and you're not a Jesus follower, you're just checking this out. If you've ever walked into a group of Jesus followers at church, in the city, wherever you were, and you felt anything other than completely loved, completely accepted, completely embraced, that is our fault. It is not Jesus's fault. Because over and over again, Jesus presses in. I put this in your notes. People who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus because Jesus invited people who were nothing like him to follow. And again, some of us who have been raised in the church are thinking, yeah, but, but didn't people change when they were with Jesus? And here's the thing. Over and over again, people changed because they were with Jesus, but they did not change in order to be with Jesus. And that's a big distinction which is why Jesus invites young and old, male and female, people who you would, you would naturally expect and people who you think there's no way. He invites everyone to follow him. Now, there were some Pharisees standing outside, and Pharisees in Jesus' day were like the super religious watchdogs. Like they were always the last ones standing in the game of Jesus said. They were like law keepers to the max. And they're standing outside of the party. And here's what it says in verse 11. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus overhears them talking and he says to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And all of a sudden, uh, the DJ on the turntable is like, and the music stops. And all the tax collectors are like, oh, I'm sorry. Did he just, I'm sorry. Did he just say that we were sick? Did he just call us sinners and say we need a doctor? What is going on? So like, Matthew, what kind of party is this? Like, it was starting out so well. And so Matthew, Matthew, talk to Jesus. And so, so Matthew comes up to Jesus and I just picture the scene. He's like, I'm sorry. Um, did you just call us sick? And Jesus looked at him. He's like, of course I called you sick. You're a tax collector. Like, you know you're sick. What are you talking about? Did I call you sick? And the tax collectors all come together like, well, he called us sick because we're tax collectors. Yeah, that's, well, he's got a point there. Yeah, that's pretty true. And they're like, they come out, they start high five, and they're like, yeah, we're sick. Like, like no one does this except a tax. Like, yeah, of course we're sick. Okay, all right, Jesus, you got us, you know. I remember doing college ministry. I did college ministry with this awesome ministry called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship for six years. Come on. I did it. I loved it. I had this group of guys. We met together for pizza once a week and talked about God's stuff, and, and I loved it. 
And one day, these guys are talking to me, and they said, you know what, Kevin? Uh, we just find ourselves constantly checking women out, like looking them up and down. We can't make eye contact. They're always like, my eyes are up here, and we're just always like, woo, like this, you know? Like, our heads are, are you know, um, yeah. They're, yeah. Uh, thank you. And, and they're like, what do we do about that? So we're talking about that, just having a good, honest moment. And one of the guys says to me, well, Kevin, I don't know about these guys, but I only look women up and down to see if they have good birthing hips. Straight face. And he stares at me. And I looked at him for a second. And I said, you are so full of crap. <laughs> nope. Nope. I'm going to go ahead and pull the card right there. No. And all the guys are like, Woo! and they stare at him. And he's like, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. That's not the only reason I look, you know. And they're all high five. And I said, okay, now we can talk because we're being honest. Now we can talk. See, Jesus was so, so sure of who he was and so certain about why he came that he could fully embrace people right where we are. I mean, fully embrace us. Not keep us at a distance because, you know, people are going to think things. Fully embrace us. And at the same time, fully tell us the truth of the human experience. That we're sick. We're sick. Now, before you argue with me, say, I'm not sick. You are. Here's how I know. You don't even keep your own rules all the time. Forget God's rules. You don't do what you think you should do on a regular basis. And neither do I. We don't do what we tell our kids to do with any level of consistency. Be kind. Use your manners. Clear your place. You know, don't have a bad attitude. We tell our five-year-old to do that. But we can't do it consistently. We're sick. We don't do what we tell our coworkers and our employees to do on a consistent basis. Have a good attitude. Do more than is expected of you. Be full of integrity. You know, don't get on Facebook while you're in work time and then we're on our phones like, oh yeah, they got a lot of likes on that picture. That's fantastic. <laughs> Why? Why can't we keep our own code? Why can't we keep the code that we want our six-year-old child to do? Because we're sick. And that's not a put-down. It's a reality of the human condition. And we need a doctor to fix the sick inside of us. And Jesus said, I came not for the healthy. You know the people who always had the hardest time with Jesus? People who were pretty sure they didn't need a doctor. People who were pretty sure, no, I'm good. I got it. I'm good on my own. I don't need a help. I'm not sick. They always had a hard time with Jesus. You know who flocked to Jesus? People who said, yeah, all right. I'm willing to look in the mirror and look at myself and say, yeah, there's some sickness in there. There's parts of me that I don't want to be parts of me, and yet I can't undo these parts of me. And I need someone outside of me to fully embrace me where I am and then show me how to experience healing. Jesus finishes by saying this, but go, learn what it means that I, this is God in the bod, this is Jesus, that I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus was not content with people who believed all the right things and behaved all the right ways. He wasn't. He wanted people who are willing to acknowledge where we are in our own humanity 
and then embrace all of what he offers to us. I want to talk to Jesus followers for just a second. So if you're not a Jesus follower, uh, you can just listen in. It's a little like, oh, this is interesting. Just listen in. Jesus followers, we can never be content to become a community of faith that believes all the right things and behaves all the right ways without first creating an environment of deep belonging. Because if we ever become content to believing all the right things as we see them and behaving all the right ways without creating a sense of belonging, we are in danger of becoming like Pharisees. And the thing about the Pharisees in this story, they are outside of the party where Jesus is, looking in. And I don't want for any of us to ever be outside of the party where Jesus is. And it's all about the invitation to follow. So as we get ready for this rest of the series, which is going to take us into Christmas, and I'm very excited about it. It's not a traditional Christmas uh, series, so just be aware. Uh, we'll have some, you know, songs and carols. It'll be lovely. It'll be lovely. <laughs> but we're going to get to this one spot like the week before Christmas where Jesus is like, you know, deny yourself, die to yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And it's like, what? This is not Jingle Bells. Where's Rudolph when you need him? So I just want to warn you, but it's going to be so good. But to get us ready for that day, I want to give us just a humble intro to following Jesus. I'll try to walk through this fairly quickly. First, being a sinner does not disqualify you from following Jesus. It is a prerequisite. It's a prereq. You can't follow unless you're willing to look in the mirror and say, ah, yeah, there's some sick in there. It's okay. Now, if you're brand new with us and you're like, a sinner? Listen, it's okay. You're in good company. Keep your purse close, okay? You don't know who's sitting around you. (laughs) This is good news. This is good news. Because the healthy don't need a doctor. Only the sick. People who acknowledge, I need someone you might even say right now, I need something outside of myself. I'm telling you, there's, behind that something is a someone who is fiercely relational. The second is this. Being an unbeliever does not disqualify you from following Jesus. If you read the biographies of Jesus' life, it's not until two years into his closest followers, the people who we kind of put up, they wrote parts of the Bible. It's not until two years into following that they're actually referred to as believing Jesus. Two years into following. So if you're here and you're thinking, well, I can't follow Jesus because I don't believe everything about him. I would tell you good news. You don't have to believe everything to follow. Some of you are about to write me an angry letter. That's why I had you turn in your start here cards. (laughs) But think about it. Just think about it. When you started following Jesus, You did not know everything about following Jesus. And let me let you in on a little secret. You still don't. You still don't. It's okay not to believe and still follow. Because it's in the following that we come to believe. It's not in the believing that we choose to follow. We're getting the cart before the horse. The third thing is this. The invitation to follow Jesus is purely an invitation to relationship. It's not primarily an invitation to the Ten Commandments. 
It's not even primarily an invitation to obedience. That comes later. If you're married and your spouse does everything you tell them to do, but has no relationship with you, that is a marriage that is getting ready to fail. It's not about believing all the right things, doing all the right things. It is an invitation to relationship. And in the context of relationship, we experience transformation. The next thing is this. Following forces me to focus on where I am instead of where you're not. Following keeps us out of that game of Jesus says. Because isn't it so natural to rate ourselves based on those around us? How many of us drive on the freeway and you're going 70, let's say 73, because you're pretty sure you won't get pulled over unless you're 10 miles over the speed limit. You're going 73. And the person in front of you, the person in front of you, well, it depends what kind of car you drive. You drive a Mustang, you got to go slower. Um, the person, you're going 73. The person in front of you is going 68. And you're like, speed up. Why are you going so slow? And the person who just passed you was going 77. And you're like, what a jerk. Why are you going so fast? Why? Because we rate ourselves based on those in our immediate vicinity. The invitation to follow is not about them. It focuses our attention back to where I am in my relationship with Jesus, not where you're not. And that is extremely freeing because it keeps us from this thing called judgment, where we either judge ourselves because we're not as far along as you are, or we judge you because you're not as far along as I am. So the question I want us to walk out of here with this morning is simply this. Am I following? Am I following? That's the question I'd like you to ponder this week. You're going to talk about it in life groups. Am I following? Not how much do I know? We know more. We learn more in the context of following. Not have I prayed a prayer? There are moments of clarity and decision that come on this journey. But that's not primarily about that. Not have I, have I gotten all my questions answered. But am I choosing to follow? Based on your answer to that question, next week we'll be talking about following next steps. Depending on where you land with this question, we'll be taking you to a new spot. And it's so fun. We get to meet this guy named Peter. And he has a fishy interaction with Jesus. Let me pray for us and then we'll go home. Jesus, thank you that the invitation to follow is simply an invitation to relationship. Thank you, Jesus, that you don't put up a bunch of barriers or walls or prereqs to following. The only prereq that you give us is acknowledge that it'd be better to follow than not. So wherever each of us is on this journey, of meeting you and of following you, would you help us to have some clarity this week around that question? And then next week as we gather together, would you show us our next step? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.